Hey everyone, you're locked into Nobody's Perfect, the place to learn from everyone else's mistakes so you don't make the same ones. Others' missteps are often the best teacher, from executives to job seekers and everyone in between. For LocalJobNetwork.com Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Today we'll center our conversation on good leadership and why simply being effective just isn't enough anymore. To help us figure out where people go wrong in leadership positions and help us determine the ways they can be both effective and good, We'll be talking with Ronald Riggio, Ph.D. Ron is the Henry R. Kravis Professor of Leadership and Organizational Psychology over at Claremont McKenna College. Ron is also the author of over a dozen books and countless articles in the area of leadership. So we're very fortunate to have him calling in today all the way from California. Ron, thanks for joining us today on the show. Thank you for having me, Tim. Definitely a pleasure to have you here. And first of all, obviously you bring with you lots of experience and knowledge. So if you would be so kind to just briefly describe the the institution that you're working for and your experience in terms of leadership and the psychology aspect as well. Well, we're a, uh, a research institute, a leadership research institute at Claremont McKenna College. And so uh, we consist of faculty members and, and professional staff who do research on leadership, on all aspects of leadership. But we also focus on leadership development in our students. So our college's mission is really all about leadership, preparing leaders for the future, uh, you know, helping our students get into leadership positions. And so we do a lot of experiential work with them, too. Great. That's awesome. Um, coming across some of the stuff that you, you've written and other things you've done, this idea of leadership, I'm sure everybody kind of has their own thoughts and ideas. As far as what you and, and you guys do over there, do you have a, a firm definition of what leadership truly is? Well, you know, people often comment that there are, you know, a hundred different different definitions of leadership or as many definition, definitions of leadership as there are people studying it. But really, most of the definitions boil down to leadership being this process or this ability to move a group, a collective, a nation, whatever, toward the attainment of some goals. Mm-hmm. But one of the real important things to uh, mention is that we often, when we think of leadership, we embody it in the person, and we think of leader, the leader. Right. But really, leadership is shared among leaders and followers, members of the group. And so um, you have to think about it in different ways. So I think we're too overly focused on the leader and the position and forgetting that leadership is really a process of mm. moving a collective forward. So do you think then in, in the general public, so to speak, so people who aren't studying this kind of thing, do they view it differently or are they the ones that focus so much on the, the person as opposed to the position or what the goals might be? Well, I think we're pretty leader centric. So I think mm-hmm. all of us tend to sort of focus on the leader and we see leadership as sort of a top down. I mean, that's kind of historically how it's been. We, you know, top down leadership, the leader holds the power, the leader makes the decisions and expects everybody to, to just toe the line and, and do what the leader says. But we know that times have changed and that that's not happening and, you know, anymore and that leadership really is more about the, the group or the team or the organization. You know, we look at, at Steve Jobs, uh, you know, who, who recently passed on, but we think of him as you know, the sort of embodiment of, of the leadership at Apple. But, you know, he didn't do it all himself. I mean, obviously, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's lots of folks who are creating these products, and he, but he becomes the face of the organization. Mm-hmm. And we probably give the leader more credit than he or she deserves um, simply because we're focusing on the leader so much. Sure, sure. And, you know, and a lot of this discussion kind of came up and when I saw an article that you wrote um, for Psychology Today. It said, good leadership, why being effective isn't enough. 
essentially a lot of the part in there is, I mean, what you're saying, someone can be effective, but not necessarily good. I mean, are you able to kind of summarize what you were talking about with that article? Well, you know, I I mean, I think I started out talking about there are lots of great leaders that we can talk about, historical leaders. And so we have the people in the social movements. We have Martin Luther King Jr. and Gandhi, and we have great presidents. But we also have, uh, you know, Hitler, and we have Stalin. Right. And, you know, we have folks on the other side. And clearly Hitler and Stalin were effective, Mao, uh, effective leaders, but they weren't necessarily good leaders. And so when we talk about good, we're really talking about, are they concerned about the greater good? Are they concerned about the followers for the welfare of the followers? Or are followers just a means to the the end, Mm -hmm. to the leader's end? And with that, I mean, that kind of leads us into some of the the more specific areas you kind of touched on. And obviously, when we're talking about leaders and with this conversation on this show, we're we're looking at the employment realm and obviously some of the stuff you guys are are doing over there. Uh, The one part that you mentioned in there, um, doing the right thing versus just getting things done, possibly by any ways or means, I suppose. With that in mind, I mean, production for the most part in any place of business is going to be that overriding factor in a lot of cases. So in terms of doing it right versus just getting it done, is there a certain value to to the right things or doing things the right way? Well, I think you have to look at the broader picture. So you can achieve goals, you know, in, in lots of different ways. But take, for example, you know, actually, I'm working with a company right now, and they're in a huge growth mode. Mm-hmm. And so the employees are all working overtime, you know, it's a relatively small firm. And one of the things is kind of an advisor to this organization, I'm kind of cautioning them to, you know, to be careful to not burn out to not neglect other things like employee development. In other words, don't just try to meet goals. And then, you know, at the cost of the employees right. and their welfare and so, so really, that's what we're talking about. So, we, you know, you can make a lot of money through using resources unwisely, right? But we're talking about, you know, are we thinking about sustainability? Are we thinking about the impact of our production on the environment, on our followers, et cetera? You know, we often refer to that as the triple bottom line. Mm-hmm. And with the idea of doing the right thing, you know, leads us into a, a kind of a, a similar part, but the idea of being responsible uh, or even ethical in certain cases. Legally, obviously, that's that's a line you don't want to toe um, as far as if you're if you're looking at actual legalities with what you're doing. But as far as things like fairness, or um, I think I had mentioned in some of the stuff I sent to you, fudging the truth, where you know you omit something. Um, what are the concerns there? What in your mind should a good, effective leader be worried about in terms of these things that, again, aren't not illegal necessarily, but that would be seen as responsible or ethical? Well, you can think of it in two ways. So you could think of it in terms of customers and you could say, you know, there's value in being honest and direct with customers. I mm-hmm. mean, if you mislead them, you're you're going to damage the relationship down the line. And so looking at repeat business. So if you if you lie to them or you fudge the truth, you know, later on, they're going to find out about it and, and they're not going to want to deal with you anymore. Sure. And then internally, you want to always be straightforward with employees because, you know, in the long run, it's really about the relationship and the longevity. You don't want to lose valuable employees simply because you haven't been straight with them. Mm-hmm. So then in the in the workplace specifically, um, as you just kind of mentioned there with the employees, 
in terms of fairness or, you know, there may be ideas of double standards, uh, you know, a certain group gets certain perks, that kind of thing. I guess how important to a, a good, effective leadership is that balancing act of, you know, just figuring out what works best and whether or not fairness matters or should matter. I just kind of that uh, area. Well, I think, I think, you know, people sometimes don't really uh, think well about fairness. I mean, they think about, you know, treating everyone exactly the same. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can have high performers, you can have a high performing group and you label those folks as high performing, but I think it's the leader's job really to be straightforward, to be transparent or authentic with people and say, you know, look, these folks get special perks or these folks get special leeway because they're, they've performed well. They've met these standards that I have as the leader. And, um, and so there, you know, there are a team, you guys can be in the a team too, but here's what I expect from you. Mm -hmm. So I don't think, you know, treating people fairly means, you know, doesn't mean giving everybody the same things. It means, you know, making it clear that those people who are getting more are doing more. With you saying that, and isn't that really where the problems come in is when it's, it's not communicated like that and it's not open, you know, just people kind of realize, oh, they get this because, you know, whatever they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. If there's one piece of advice I give to leaders all the time, to managers and leaders, is, you know, there's this tendency to under-communicate. And what you need to do is you need to communicate. You know, when they talk about when you're giving a speech, you're supposed to, the, the rules are you're supposed to tell people what you're going to tell them, then you tell them, and then you told them what you what you told them. And, and so I think the same thing goes with leaders is you got to constantly remind people, kind of tell them why you're doing things, mm -hmm. you know, what the process is, what your goal, and you want to be talking about the goals and the mission of the organization all the time. And I think that, that managers, leaders figure that the followers know this already. But it's just like advertising. You know, we watch commercials sometimes five or six times before we realize, oh, wow, that's the product that they're trying to sell, right? Because, because we're just not, you know, it's just not getting through. Mm -hmm. So if there's one piece of advice for leaders is to communicate as much as possible and just be straight with people. Similar in that context, you know, there's a, a you've used the term, and I mean, I've seen it elsewhere too, obviously, but the idea of collateral damage um, in terms of, you know, with as a leader to his followers, obviously, in a political sense, but in, uh, in, you know, with employees as well. I guess what's kind of the idea behind what would be collateral damage and how that um, plays a role in, in what a leader does? Well, I, I think, you know, to some extent, collateral damage could be things like, you know, we're selling the product, we're not caring about uh, the, the long-term relationship with the customer, mm -hmm. we're just selling at all costs, so we're pushing stuff on them that maybe they don't really need um, or they don't really want. Uh, when we talk about it from the employee's perspective, we're essentially using the people to get to the ends that we desire. And so then the collateral damage is those folks burn out, they get dissatisfied, they look for jobs elsewhere, they go to competitors. You know, how often, I mean, I can, I can remember a case one time where a very valuable employee in an organization was just treated very badly and mm -hmm. just basically she felt like she was being just milked for every, you know, every ounce of her skills and abilities and then got, you know, overlooked and it was just taken for granted and ended up going to a competitor and, uh, you know, and really hurting the, the, the original company because she was working for their main competitor sure. and she was, she was trying to get back at them. And is that something, I mean, kind of along those lines that 
maybe good effective leaders, that's where the struggle might be is, is seeing that kind of long-term effects positively or negatively, because obviously, as we talked about so many times, it becomes the bottom line. It becomes, you know, what have you done for me lately? But um, would you say that's one of the more difficult areas people have is seeing kind of, you know, what's going to happen in the future? Well, I think I think one of the things you want to think about is that, you know, think about the employment relationships as long-term relationships. And some people are going to leave and they're going to leave the organization. But when you when they leave the organization, you want them to leave thinking positive things. You know, sometimes they may come back to you, um, but you don't need folks, you know, bad-mouthing the organization. I mean, right. that's going to hurt you in terms of recruiting, you know, employees. You don't want to damage the reputation of the company. In a similar vein, you know, we're really, we since we don't lead alone, we lead with other people. We want to make sure that we're developing the people in our organization so that we're developing them in a, in a way that they'll take on some of the leadership role, some of the, the work, the load, the responsibility, and that they'll become more valuable, that they'll get connected with the organization, they'll work extra hard, uh, they'll try to move up the ladder in the organization, they'll try to contribute. No, you're definitely right. And that was another part I was going to hit on because that was in um, a lot of the things I've seen in terms of that developing others and, um, you know, as you said, creating more leaders really in essence within a company. Is there a, a certain blueprint for doing something like that? Or I guess what would be kind of your, your general advice in, in being able to develop those leaders or just even if they're not going into leadership role, just to continue to make them better so that they help your company? Yeah, I think it's I think when we use the term, you know, coaching or mentoring, I mean, those are kind of the hot buzzwords for right. <laughs> that part of what leaders do. But I think if we think about that in the, in the real sense of of mentoring, it's really getting in touch with each individual that you're that you're leading, right? And trying to figure out, you know, what's this person's strengths? Where are the areas that really need attention that they have to, you know, try to fix? And then also, what are their aspirations? So you want to get at their strengths, you want to get at their weaknesses, you want to get at their aspirations and know what they, they really want to accomplish. And so you use all that to essentially help them to develop, mm -hmm. right? So if they need training, you should give them training. The thing is, most employees that are really the kinds that you want in your organizations, they're concerned about their development. They're concerned about their advancement. They want to learn new things. And so the real key for the leader is to be able to assess those things, to be in touch with those, and then to provide for the, those developmental needs. And it's kind of a win-win situation because the employee becomes more valuable to the organization and they feel better and they can do more. And so, you know, it really works that way. I mean, it, it, so you really want to be in touch with them. And then the other side, too, is, you know, you're not babying these folks. You're challenging them. You're saying, you know, I think you can do this. I think you can take on additional responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And what you find is that employees who are working at what, you know, might be 70% capacity can get themselves up to 90 or 100% capacity. And, you know, that's just good for the organization. That's good for you as the leader. Sure. And similarly, another part that you mentioned as far as, you know, being good as opposed to just effective is the idea of leaving things better off, either if that leader is moving on or just getting it to a point where it would be seen as the company is, is better now. Does that become more of an individual thing? Because it would seem like that's kind of fighting against, you know, your, your own ego, so to speak, that, well, I don't want somebody in here and then doing a better job than me because then I'm going to be forgotten. I guess, how do you end up promoting and encouraging that sort of sustainability where even, you know, once that leader is gone or moved on, 
he or she really wants that company, that organization to still thrive like that? Yeah. Well, I think I think you need to think of a few things. I mean, one is that, um, you know, that companies are going to outlast the people for the most part. I mean, the really mm. good companies are built to last, right? They're going to stick around. And so the good leader is saying, gosh, how can, you know, how can I leave a legacy, but how can I also build so that the next person can, you know, continue, the, continue the growth that we've begun? And I think, too, you, you look at it like kind of almost from a parenting perspective, you know, it. For most of us who are parents, we want our kids to have it better than we had it, right? Right. And so I think it's the same kind of idea is, you know, if we're thinking about the good of the collective, the good of the, the organization and its employees, then we want the company to continue on an upward trajectory. I mean, you know, I think it's very sort of... Uh, you know, egocentric, narcissistic or whatever for a leader to, to leave and then say, you know, gosh, I hope the place collapses right. under the next guy and they'll realize how valuable I am. Well, you know what, if you've done your leadership job, they realize how valuable you are. You're the one that developed these people. You're the one that developed the next generation of leaders. And it's like your kids, you know, you you take pride in the fact that they're, that they're taking it to greater, greater heights. With that, uh, you also touched on some tactics that leaders may use that are effective, but either are short-sighted or, um, I mean, some people just see them as, as bad kind of in the grand scheme of things. I think you mentioned them as cheap psychological tricks. Um, yeah. Just in touching on a couple of those maybe, you mentioned the idea of conformity, and uh, that can be broad, obviously, but in terms of conformity in the workplace, if it's overall, I guess, what sort of issues would you be talking about there and the dangers, so to speak, of, of just complete conformity? Well, I mean, the obvious thing with complete conformity, particularly if you're in a creative industry, if you're saying, you know, like, do it this way, just follow the procedures, right. do the, you know, do it like everybody else, uh, you're stifling creativity, you're stifling innovation. And I think what you want to do is you want to, you know, say, look, here's the procedures we have. If you can think of a better way to do it, let's, you know, let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. Let's explore it. And so I think what happens is that all too often people just are very transactional, you know, do this job for me. Um, you'll get your pay, you'll get your perks, you know, um, but do, you know, just don't give me any, any trouble. Don't question anything. Right. And, you know, that's not going to lead you to, um, you know, what we call transformational leadership. That's not going to lead you to breakthroughs. That's not going to lead to uh, exponential growth in the organization. You're just going to kind of plod along and you're going to hit your marks, but you're never going to exceed your marks. Sure. Then I guess what would your advice be in terms of the employer-employee relationship and, you know, finding that balance of ensuring that your employees are following, you know, certain standards, philosophies, but also being able to have that voice and, and challenge leadership, not in a negative, you know, aggressive, you know, challenge the top, cha challenge the management, but just in terms of challenging ideas or trying to, um, as you said, you know, not, not wanting to stifle that creativity and, and just move forward as opposed to plodding along. Well, I think it takes, you know, it takes a little bit of courage on the leader's part because you got to be able to you know, sort of accommodate, you know, criticisms. You can't, you can't end up taking it personally. Mm -hmm. You got to say, you know, look, this employee is challenging the process or is questioning me because he or she, uh, you know, wants to innovate, wants to do it better. And so you need to you develop that kind of environment and that kind of culture where employees are willing to speak up and question, you know, the sort of question authority or question the way we're doing things. 
because they're supported for it. You know, and if if they're you know, if you don't think it's going to work, you're straight with them. You know, you say, I don't think that's good, you know, a direction we want to go in mm-hmm. or here's some concerns I have with that, you know, with that suggestion. But just kind of being straight with people. And I think that's really what it's about. It's really about sort of honesty um, and what we call authenticity, you know, being authentic, putting yourself out there and saying, hey, and if, you know, and if something's going too fast or too far for you, be straight with them. Say, you know. Uh, you know, maybe I'm old school or whatever, but that just <laughs> seems like too much too quickly. Right. How can we do this in, in smaller steps? And then the other aspect that kind of intrigued me was the idea of fear. And obviously, when, when you were talking about different things in that article, um, you, you were discussing all sorts of leaders from all walks of life. But in terms of a, a business setting and a, a, a company's leader or leaders, for that matter, I guess, how, how then would they be using fear as a tactic or what have you experienced or heard or, or seen? Well, I think, I think all too often, you know, managers uh, and leaders, you know, use fear, use punishment. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll ring the alarm or, you know, or the threat, you know, they'll say, you know, gosh, uh, you know, things look bad, threaten people, layoffs, you know, gloom and doom in the future if we don't get our, our, butts in gear, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I mean, I don't think those things, those kinds of strategies work very well. I think it's much better to um, get people excited, you know, talk about, talk, you know, somewhat optimistically about the future and say, look, you know, it's tough times now. We'll get, you know, things will get better. We'll turn this around. Um, you know, nobody's ever followed a pessimistic leader, or at least they don't follow <laughs> them very, very far. So, you know, be optimistic, be positive, be forward moving. But also be straightforward, be honest when you hit setbacks. But I think the idea of, of using punishment or, you know, uh, you know, it just doesn't work. Punishment is a really bad strategy because to, to, do, to be an effective, to use punitive management effectively, you've got to always be on alert. You're like the police officer trying to catch all the speeders on the freeway. Sure. You're never going to get, you're never going to be successful. So then in terms of um, just... One more thing with the idea of the fear tactic, so to speak. Um, mentally, I guess, how how does that affect an employee that it doesn't work? Like, why is it exactly do you feel it doesn't work, especially from the mental side of things? Because obviously that's, that's where it's really going to trigger somebody. You know, fear and fear punishment works in the short term, right? right. It, it gets people's attention. But the other thing, too, is, you know, when people get afraid, I mean, fear is kind of linked to anger. So we don't like people who scare us. You know, we don't like people who threaten us. Right. And so our reaction is anger. Our reaction is, you know, to try to eventually get back at the person in some way, um, someone who's put us into this, you know, kind of stressful, negative emotion situation. But on the other hand, two people just don't thrive under those kinds of circumstances. And so you end up with people leaving the organization. They don't want to live in a climate of fear. You end up stifling creativity because people are afraid to take chances. They're afraid to make suggestions. And so I think what you want to do is you want to create a, a culture and uh, you know environment of openness and dealing straightforwardly with people and trying to get their positive emotions excited so that they're motivated rather than, you know, having them just kind of do the job because they're afraid of losing their job or they're afraid of, you know, somebody else is going to replace them or that kind of thing. I think there's value in that, in, in knowing that, you know, this is competitive and we do have to push hard and you do have to reach your goals or else you're going to, you know, you may not continue with the organization. But 
I think you can do that in a much more positive way than than a, than creating a climate of fear. Sure. With that said, then, and, and this could be based off your experience or what you guys you know end up teaching over there, what can or should employees expect from a leader? I mean, because there are some things that probably are just it's not realistic. But what can and should an employee expect from a, a, a leader in their company? Well, I think I think you know if we say okay, well, what are you know what's true leadership? We should expect that a leader is going to, you know, give us some direction, is going to talk about, you know, where we want this company to go, um, you know, what what directions are we going in, what's our mission, what's our purpose, those kinds of things. So the leader really should articulate those and make it clear, you know, to the, to the employees. Um, I think that employees should expect that their leader uh, develop them and help them grow and uh, not stifle them in terms of their own development. I think that, you know, employers need to to provide not just, you know, sort of the, the financial rewards or the transactional rewards, but they also need to, you know, demonstrate that they care about followers, that they appreciate them, the thank you part of things, you know, not just here's your paycheck, but thanks, you did a really good job on this. So I think that employees should expect those kinds of things, the very best leaders, again, using the sort of parent analogy, right? I mean, you can be the parent who provides food and shelter. And, uh, you know, if people get out of line, you, you, you whack them or, you know, you provide, <laughs> you know, you correct them or whatever. Sure. But, you know, really good parents really think about the future of their kids. And in the same way, I think a leader should think about employees as, you know, valuable assets in the organization and people that we can develop, that we want to grow, that we want to have as members of our organization, members of our family. I mean, I think that analogy makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, definitely. And we are getting low on time, so I, but I just want to ask one last thing here um, to kind of touch on. But, you know, this idea of good and effective, um, obviously, as you mentioned, there, there are plenty of leaders that have been extremely effective and not necessarily seen as good. So what motivation is there for an employer, if you can kind of put it in a nutshell, to be both that good and effective leader as opposed to just... Um, you know, getting the job done in, in any ways and means kind of thing? Well, I think we need to think about, about the, lar- you know, the larger purpose. So you can look at it from the organization standpoint. You want the organization to have a good reputation. You want the company to have a good reputation. I think you want to take pride in your role in the company and take pride in the company. And so if you're, you know, if you're just not dealing in good faith with people, then you're only satisfying part of your needs, right? Mm-hmm. You're getting the money, but you're not getting the satisfaction out of things. The other thing, too, is, you know, we're, we, we just come out of an era of just, you know, horrible ethical debacles, you know, <laughs> companies completely destroyed because of the greed and selfishness um, and unethical behavior of particular leaders, so I think we have to use that as an example. And I think most people say, you know, we want our organization, we want our company to do good things, to be a leader in the field, uh, to be respected, to have satisfied customers, to have satisfied employees, and those kinds of things. And I think if a leader sort of aligns themselves with that, with those, uh, those feelings, that mission, then they're going to, you know, take the right path rather than the wrong path. That was very well said. Uh, I think you did a good job there of kind of giving people the the idea, the basis there for a lot of the things that, you know, you've written about and I'm sure you guys talk about out there in California. So is there a place where people can learn more about you and maybe uh, see some more of your work? Um, well, they can go to the Psychology Today we- uh, website and, you know, either look up my name or my blog is called Cutting Edge Leadership. 
And they can also go to the uh, Kravis Leadership Institute uh, website. And so it's kind of a long address, but if they just put in Kravis Leadership Institute, they'll find us, K-R-A-V-I-S. And they'll, they'll find us, and we have some resources up there on the web. Unfortunately, that is going to do it for us today on Nobody's Perfect. Uh, of course, Ron, thank you a ton for giving us your insight and knowledge on this topic. We're really happy you could join us today. Glad to glad to be with you, Tim. And for all of you listening, please be sure to keep checking in to localjobnetwork.com radio to continue the learning process. If you have any comments or suggestions, email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. I'm Tim Muma, and remember, nobody's perfect, so please watch your step. <laughs>